Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in another night to Nardigus and Ministries Teleconference. I am Nardigus and your host, and tonight again, praise God, we have another powerful word, and I believe that this word will transform your life if you apply the principles of God's word through faith, and y'all should know this by now already, obedience, amen. You know, I really do pray that these weekly teachings enlighten and educate you and empower you to live holy. Uh, I pray that you are strengthened and encouraged to be all the Father has called you to be, amen, through his Son. And I pray that you are becoming transformed by the renewing of your mind because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, amen. Right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are once again in your presence, needing to hear from you, needing a word from you. And like the songwriter wrote, if we don't hear from you, what will we do? We come empty so that you can fill us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on this broadcast. Let your glory fill this place, fill this line, fill our hearts, God, fill our minds. Permeate the atmosphere with your glory. Interrupt every demonic interference that would attempt to hinder this word from coming forth. I speak to the principalities and powers of the air. I neutralize your activity. I silence your voices. I shut down in blind monitoring eyes and release the anointing of Yeshua. Expose your heart and your mind to us once again, Father. Lead us in the way of life that is everlasting. We live and we, for you, we glorify your name. We invite you to shatter our ignorances with your knowledge, destroy our ideologies, tear down our theories and our conclusions, pulverize through our opinions, God, invade our religious mindsets, and let them be replaced by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your truth, oh God, and fill us with the light of your grace and your truth. Now I ask that you, Father, respond to those who are calling on you tonight, those who are sincerely seeking your faith, those who want to learn more of you. Touch your people, God. And Father, I submit myself to your Lordship. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, so teach us tonight. Instruct us on how we ought to live, how we ought to behave, how we ought to conduct ourselves, God. Reveal yourself to us through your word. Speak to us tonight, Lord God. We are hungry for you. And let your wisdom be multiplied and let it hoover over us. Oh, yes, God. And let it wrap itself around us to protect us, Lord God, and protect the knowledge and the wisdom that will pour out tonight. Blanket us with your knowledge. Let it serve as a shield to cover and protect our minds like a powerful helmet. <laughs> Bring the light of your truth and let it shine on our ways, God. Keep this knowledge from being polluted, pimped, and twisted. Keep it from any abuse and keep it from being stolen by the enemy. Let this word tonight, Lord God, let these seeds that are going to drop tonight, Lord God, let it fall on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Holy Spirit, seal this word in our heart, and we give ourselves to you. In Yeshua's name, the name that is above every name, amen and amen. I can't see y'all, but I can see some smiling. I can see some that are just hungry for God tonight, amen. Well, I've got a story to tell you tonight, and this lesson is taken from the book of Nehemiah, chapter, chapter 1 through 7. Now, I'm going to ask you to please take the time the rest of this week to read up on it, because I'm just going to kind of skim through uh, the, the chapters um, 
So I'm not going to be able to get to everything, but I'm going to try and highlight the, uh, uh, expound on some of the highlights, okay? And um, so let, let's take a walk, okay? So I want, you, I want to talk about the engagement and activity that takes place when we are building for God. When God has called us to build something, when he calls us to do something, when he calls us to a work, warfare will break out on you. And the story of Nehemiah, recorded in chapters uh, 1 through 7, illustrate uh, life application that we can use when we are dealing or when we are facing the Sanballat, Tobias, and Geshem's of life. And I know those are some weird names for some of y'all, so later in the message, I'll disclose in, in more depth of who these characters are, because they're a trip, okay? Uh-huh. So, okay. But for now, let's, let's take a closer look into the life of Nehemiah to see what was taking place during his time. I'm going to give you a, a brief history so that you can kind of understand today's teaching, its spiritual implication, and, and how you can apply it to your life today. The name Nehemiah means Yahweh has comforted. Yahweh has comforted. And so before we even begin to read the book of Nehemiah, his name already reveals that the words of this book will bring comfort. Nehemiah brings hope to a people during a very bleak and dark time. This book reveals Nehemiah's character and life. It reveals his genuine leadership qualities and how he's a faithful man of prayer. It teaches us how to look to God and trust him during adversity from people, wicked people, lying people, conniving people, from scheming and manipulating people, condescending people. So we're going to be delivered for people tonight, okay? So somebody, y'all need to shout. Y'all need to, wherever you are, just clap your hands and shout and say, I'm going to be delivered from people tonight. Amen. <laughs> the book opens with, with news of a dire condition of the walls surrounding Jerusalem, the city of God. And Nehemiah, he's far from Jerusalem. He's all the way in Persia. And even though he has a position, he has, you know, a job, he's still a slave to a foreign king. He's not a big wig or, or a popular person, okay? But he is a man who prays fervently and continually. And he kind of reminds me of another Daniel. And what places him on the platform as an agent of change is his fasting and praying. You see, it is his fasting and prayer life that's about to trigger change. Somebody say trigger change. Hallelujah. I'm excited. And I'm sure you have to probably sense it in my voice because, you know, th th this story just this really encourages me. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And, and let's note that in order to even obtain this position, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to obtain this position, one had to be of high moral standing, trustworthy, and honest. This position held the, high, the king's highest trust. In fact, he had developed such a good relationship with the king that one day the king noticed that he wasn't, you know, his happy, jolly self. But instead, he was sad. And the, the, the king truly had never seen him sad before. And so the king, being concerned, asked him, you know, what the matter was. And so Nehemiah, you know, he exposes his heart to the king, and begin, he begins to tell 
tell him how the city where his fathers are buried is in ruin and his people had, you know, that had survived the exile, that had returned to Jerusalem. They were in great trouble. They were facing disgrace. And because the wall of Jerusalem was broken down, uh, the gates had been burned with fire. So the city was, was laying in rubble even decades after the Jews had returned home. So after he exposes all of this and that's in his heart to the king, the king gives him a reply. And he asks Nehemiah, what do you request? Now imagine, let's pause here for a second. Imagine you're talking to the king and you're letting him know what's on your heart and the king stops to ask you, well, what, what can I do for you? What do you need? Now, being the man of prayer that he is, that Nehemiah is, he cannot help but to operate in the way that is familiar to him. Again, another Daniel. So before he answers the king, in chapter 2 and verse 4, you see, Nehemiah is not ashamed to pause and take a moment right here to consult God right before and in the presence of the king. And the Bible records that Nehemiah said, so I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. Who we are in private will be exposed in public. I'm going to say that again. Who we are in private will be exposed in public. So the king grants him favor and Nehemiah, the cupbearer, okay, not a really big title, you know, he's... <laughs> He's the cupbearer. He's, you know, bringing the, the wine and the, uh, the, the water to the king. Ends up the governor of Jerusalem and supervises one of the greatest ministry works ever. He is in charge of the repairs, the rebuilding, and the restoration of the city wall of Jerusalem. Now, upon request by Nehemiah, the king now gives him letters that commands governors to grant him passage. He gets letters to, to, uh, to the keeper of the king's forest so that whatever timber or wood he needed, he would just ask and they would just give it to him for the building of the, of the temple gates and the wall and, and even for the house that he himself was going to live in. So the king also provides army officers and cavalry for him. Nehemiah has found grace and favor in God's hands and in God's eyes and the favor of the king. So chapters uh, 1 through 3 chronicles Nehemiah's heart, his brokenness and passion for the work of God to be fulfilled. Uh, when you read those chapters, you're going to find that he's standing in the gap on behalf of the people. He's repenting. He's weeping out because of the condition that, that the, you know, his people are in. And, and you'll see the blessing of the king with the funds, the provision, the protection to begin the project, and the naming of the builders and, that were, and the workers that are assigned to this great, um, great work. Now let's fast forward a little bit because this is going to get really good, really, really good. When we get to chapter 4, now I know nobody can hear you, so I want you to just shout, oh, no. Okay, I ain't hear from y'all. Say, oh, no. Okay, I heard you now. The scene opens in the plains of Ono, where we meet. Now, I really couldn't find anything 
nicer. So y'all please forgive me. But these these are the treacherous tr- trio. It's, it sounded better than the trifling trio, okay? <laughs> so, But we meet the treacherous trio, and their names are Sambalit, Tobiah, Geshem. And then there's some of these, these other little enemies, okay? And, and this is an Ono story that ends with a sweet reminder that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the lowly. Sambalit, now check this out. Sambalit, he's a critical opposer to that which God is establishing. And you know what his name means? Secret hater. Mm-hmm. Secret hater. So we got some secret haters, okay? The Sambalit spirit is one who criticizes the work of God. And he criticizes the people who desire, whose desire is to work and build the work of God. This spirit attacks the mind. He carries with him mockery and insult, and his ultimate goal is to discourage you. <clears throat> and we know that in order for a man or a woman to be discouraged, one has to be able to reach their mind and get in between their ears. And you've got to be really good. There's some people that are really strong, and you've, but you've got to be good to get in between their ears. You see, so, so, so if the enemy can get an opportunity to speak or whisper in your ear long enough, he stands a pretty good chance at discouraging you and making you quit before you even get started. See, that's how powerful discouragement is. But see, God doesn't want us ignorant and foolish of how the enemy sets traps. When engaging in spiritual warfare, because remember Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our fight is not against flesh and blood, even though you may want to play God and snatch the breath out of somebody, it really is not against flesh and blood. But against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, we, when we read the scriptures, we really need to take our time. So it's always good to know what spirit or what spirits you are contending. You know, at, at one point in my life, I just got tired, and I just said, God, who am I fighting? And, and I've learned to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to me, who is behind this? Who's pulling the strings? So you can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the operating force or forces behind the scenes, the strong men, the principality or powers who's pulling the, you know, the strings. Never fight people in the flesh because it will only stain your garment and change your witness. Take the battle into the realm of the spirit, into the courts of heaven. Glory to God. You see, there's a time to go down to the valley with your sword like Joshua, and then there's a time to go up on the mountain to pray like Moses. So we've got to be still and take a moment to pray just like Nehemiah. Then that's when you ask the Lord, like David, shall I pursue? See, God will give you a strategy so you don't wear yourself out. Because if you ask him, then he will lay out the strategy for you so you don't have to shadow box. You know, you don't have to beat the air aimlessly and, and because you want to hit your mark, right? I want, I want to know that if I'm in swinging, I'm hitting something, right? Okay. Now, we, we, we ought to be shrewd. We've got to be smart. You know, smart like a snake. Harmless as doves. 
First Peter 5, 8 reminds us to remain sober-minded and alert because the devil prowls. He lurks around like a roaring lion, seeking. He's always looking for somebody to devour. And Second Corinthians says, for we are not unaware of his scheme. That means we, we should be a prepared people. So when we stay prayerful and in God's presence, it takes us and it, and it positions us in a place to be empowered and equipped with spiritual insight, which is discernment. And when you have discernment, guess what? It teaches you how to engage. So we've got to stay on top of our spiritual game, okay? All right, so let's move along. So now, Sambalit, he doesn't travel alone. His sinister accomplices, Tobiah and Geshem, these, they, they are allies and they're reinforcers who are ready to jump on the bandwagon, you know, to help tear down anything that God is building. And then just like in, Jer in Nehemiah's day, so shall we have them today. Now let me back, a little bit, back up a little bit because I, I did forget to mention this very important detail in, in Chapter 2. When the treacherous trio first heard about what Nehemiah was to embark on, and how the king, you know, gave him all that he had requested, they were, they were turned off. They were deeply disturbed that someone had even come seeking the well-being of the Israelites. Because, see, these people, they hated the Jews. The world hates God's people. And, and so as soon as God's people put their hands to this good work, the treacherous trio rose up against them with mocking and ridicule. They even went as far as, a, as false accusations that they were rebelling against the king. Now, that's a strong accusation there, okay? And, and I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but the very king that had given them his blessing and favor, they were saying that these guys are rebelling against the king. So they were even trying to destroy relationships. Watch people who try to destroy relationships. But Nehemiah, he didn't even respond to that. He didn't address that particular thing there about the king. Okay, so now let's fast forward again. Tobiah, he was a high-ranking Ammonite. He was a high-ranking Ammonite official, and, and Geshem was an uh, Arabian ruler. And these men, they were men of influence. They had power. They had platform. They had position. The, the Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem spirit, and, and what do I mean by this? What, when I say the Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem spirit, I'm not being weird or mystical or anything like that, okay? I'm referencing to their attitude and, and the mindset that they were flowing in. Because, you know, some people move in a bad spirit. And the Bible talks about Daniel having an excellent spirit. So we can conclude that if, if one can have an, a, a spirit of excellence, the opposite of that would be operating under a bad spirit. In other words, a person being inspired and influenced by something other than the Holy Spirit, okay? So I always say if the enemy is whispering in your ear, then he's too close. What's whispering in your ear today? We have many biblical examples of people that operated under demonic influences. Like, for example, Absalom, who usurped his father's authority. And he ended up being hung on a tree, on a tree limb, trying to escape, okay? 
He was trying to escape capture. You see, pride, pride will be your friend for a little while, but at the end, he will betray you. He will kick you out of the race, get you kicked off of the throne, get you kicked out of the palace, disinherited, and disconnected. And Ananias and Sapphira, they dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Remember, we're talking about being influenced by something other than the Holy Spirit that will cause you to lie, that will cause you to steal, that will cause you to do anything that's against God is evil. Judas Iscariot, who for the what? Love of money, betrayed Yeshua for 30 pieces of silver. So this trio, this treacherous trio, they will rally around with other enemies to strengthen them, their mission against you. You know that when people, people don't have to like each other to, to get together, to band together, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they didn't like each other. But when they wanted to get rid of Jesus, guess what? They band, they, you know, they stood together, okay? So how, how is this mission, how is this mission accomplished? Well, by using intimidation, insults, slander, raising false accusations and suspicion in hopes to discredit, and all three have motives. The Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem spirit, they move cunningly. They can rub shoulders with you. They can break bread with you and even offer to help you all while masking under the pretense of friendship. You see why we need the Holy Spirit? You see why we need discernment? Because as we read along in the story, at one point, they pretended to, that they were coming in the name of help, but were actually plotting to do Nehemiah harm. But God had exposed their plan. Hallelujah. God only knows how many plans, you know, or how many traps he's uh, saved me from that I don't even know. The scripture says in Daniel 2 and verse 22 that he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. And in Amos 3 and verse 7, it says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals the secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. That's why we need to be praying. Our prayer life is part of our spiritual armor of Ephesians 4. And you know what? Sadly, it is one of the most neglected pieces of weaponry. It really is. Listen, people of God, Nehemiah encountered this mischievous group of people in his day. And you're going to experience them. I'm going to experience them. And the Bible says that while Nehemiah was putting into effect this plan of action and the people worked, guess what? They upped their game. So just like, you know, the devil, when he touched Jesus three times, Jesus resisted him. The devil went away for, for a while. Then after a while, a season, he came back again. So guess what? They, they'll go away, but they're going to regroup and they're going to up their game and they're going to come back. Nevertheless. Nehemiah was not afraid to respond to his accusers. There's a time when you have to respond. Some of us, are, we're just so quiet and so shy and just so bashful and so scared. No, there is a, just because you're a child of God does not mean that you cannot confront something and speak to it. Okay? Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And then he goes on to say, and every tongue, Every tongue that rises up against you, in other words, that accuses you in judgment, in other words, in the court, you will have the right to publicly look at your accuser, eyeball to eyeball, 
and condemn, refute, and disprove it. God said that this is an inheritance. This is your right. I give you this legal right to be able to look at your accuser eyeball to eyeball. Mm-hmm. But I just love how Nehemiah, he didn't cower back. He didn't cower back in fear, but he confronted his accusers. You see, Nehemiah confidently, when he did it, he did it confidently. And he let them know that the rumors they were spreading, guess what? They were the very ones inventing them in their own mind. That's how wicked they were. And he didn't mention, again, he didn't mention the king because he had the king's backing. He had his support. So he didn't have to go and, and defend that because, he, you know, he already had it. So he was confident. But more importantly, what he does is he places the focus on where it needs to be, feed, uh, uh, need to be, um, need to be, which is on the God of heaven, because he knew that it was God who was going to prosper them as they built. It was God who was going to bless their hands and the fruit of their labor. Amen. But the harassing posse did not stop there. This menacing spirit is bold. He's bold. And so because he's bold, you've got to be bolder. And it will come back more than once, like I said. In fact, when they saw that Nehemiah, after, you know, they didn't succeed the first round and the crew were progressing in the work, they came back again. Now, I want you to read the story so you can get all the details. But each time they came, Nehemiah replies with the same answer without being distracted or discouraged. He refused to come down from his work. He refused to allow the distraction to make him stop working, even if it were for a few minutes of his time. Now, let me stop right here for a minute, because some of, some of you are giving people too much of your time. And you know what? It's not even worth it. And you're giving them too much of your mind. I know, look, I know what it is to give people a piece of my mind. <laughs> it feels really, 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 really good at the moment. It really does. But then I know what it is to be peaceless for doing so. So he said, let me tell you what he said. He said, now, now remember, these guys are men of, you know, they're, they're, they're men of position. They're, they're men of power and, and influence, okay? So he said, he said to them, he said, look, I am doing a great work so that I, I cannot come down. Why, why should the work of God cease while I leave it and come down to you? Now, that kind of sounds a little too nice, right? No, okay. But can you imagine? Can you imagine having to send a message that if translated in today's verbiage would read or sound something like this? Now, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the posh version first. Excuse me, but um, uh, guys, look, I, I'm really sorry, but I I can't come to you right now. Please, you know, I, I'm praying for y'all, and I want you to pray for me too. Um, I, I I I just I'm really just working. I'm tied up. I I really can't come. So I just really pray that you understand. That's the, you know, the little posh, nice, you know, scaredy, you know, jellyback kind of version. But in the hood. Terms now, y'all, y'all, y'all forgive me, but in the hood, it sounds something like this: Look, I can't come down because you know what? Ain't nobody got time for that. So you pick your version. I won't judge you. I promise. But I'm going with ain't nobody got time for that. I know, but that is what Nehemiah pretty much replied. 
he was straight and he spoke straight. And sometimes we got to cut out the foolishness. Stop beat, you know, this, uh, what are you going to beat the bush? Who who, who that beat the bush? We got to shoot straight. So it's okay to sometimes call things out. Let the enemy know that you see his game and that you're not going to play his game. Amen? Okay. So now Nehemiah refused to be moved by fear. And like Nehemiah, we must learn to, to stay in a position when facing opposition. We must learn not to flinch, not to move or be shaken, because where God has planted you, guess what? They, no matter what they do, they cannot move you. So it, doesn't, it does not surprise me, though, that after receiving four responses, Shambhala still refuses to quit. So, okay, let me, let me up his name, okay? Since he upped his game, I'm going to up his name. He's Snakey Sam Ballot, okay? So Snakey Sam Ballot ups the aggression to another level. Oh, God, I tell you. He sends a supposed official letter. Look how, look how wicked these people are. They fabricate an official letter letting, telling him, that he and, and some of the other officials, you know, these guys that have titles and power and influence, and, and, and letting him know, they're saying, we know that you're staging a revolt against the king. <laughs> now, he moves from mere mocking and insults to literally designating prophets to spread fabrications about him. And this is real, y'all, because there are people that will literally lie on you. There are people who will, the enemy will use people to fabricate things, to, to anything to discredit you, to discredit your name, to discredit your work. So his hope was to scare the people enough in that all, so that all would cave in and walk away from the work. Okay. On another occasion, they hired a false prophet to give Nehemiah a false word. <laughs> oh, boy. They hire a false prophet. This is how desperate they are. And they tell him, you know, the prophet tells him, look, this, you, they're coming to kill you tonight. So we need you to come over here so that we can, you know, protect you and save you or whatever, you know, because they're coming to kill you tonight. But Nehemiah was a man of spiritual discernment, and he didn't fall for the bait. Now, how many of us, honestly, if we had, we're not prayed up and stayed up, you know, is, and they said, they're going to come to kill you, and you, you just believe it, and you just run with them, and you fall right into their trap. But we've got to learn to pause for a moment and, and, and we hear from God. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. He will tell you what you need to do. People of God, look, if you are not steadfast, confident, and unrelenting in your pursuit of kingdom building, the enemy will use people and their poisonous remarks to viciously insult you, attack, and ultimately discourage you straight out of your mission. Straight out of your mission. Okay. So let's, let's finish reading in Nehemiah 6, verses 15 to 16, to see how the end of this story meets a great resounding triumph. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Elul in 52 days when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. 
Notice that when the enemies not just heard that they had finished building the city, they got to see it. And so when they heard it and then they saw it, they lost their confidence. They had to back up. The very thing that they had used as a means to inflict damage against, uh, uh, upon God's people was the very thing they lost. The Lord had rewarded them fruit sown from the works of their own wicked hands. And I would stop here, but there, there's a topping on the cake too sweet to let this slip by. The added bonus in the story is that they recognized that the work accomplished was a result due to the help of their God. See, God will come to your aid. If you stick with what God has given you, glory to God, when you know God has called you and planted you in a certain place, you stay there in season and out of season. You don't let the people move you. I don't care what they say about you. You stay planted. God eventually will show up. And guess what? The word will speak for itself. Amen? Hear what Proverbs 11 and 11 says concerning the mouth of the wicked. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So how does one deal with those secret haters? The way to stop the naysayers and the mocking Sanballats and Tobias and Geshems in your life is to do what Nehemiah did. One, don't come down. You stay right up there on your wall. Don't come down. Number two, send them a word. Now send them a holy word, okay? Send them a holy word. Three, ignore the insults. Four, remain steadfast. Five, encourage the people. Six, continue to build. Keep going. Seven, keep praying. And eight, sit back and watch God. Now one more thing, because now that we have the icing on the cake, we got to put the cherry on, right? I love cherry, so we got to put the cherry on the top. So we're going to get our cherry. Because, yes, their names reveal their true character. So now we are going to prayerfully reverse their cursing and their blasphemes and their insults and all their derogatory remarks and mockeries and scorn and hate. We're going to reverse that curse tonight, okay? Because Sambalit, remember, means or is secret hater or secret enemy. Now check this. Tobiah means God is good. And Geshem means the rain. Okay, so we're going to put this together. So we're going to reverse this, this curse. I want you to repeat after me. Nobody else can hear you. Don't worry. We declare that all our secret enemies and haters of God's work will be exposed because our God it's too good to let them rain on our parade. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's say that one more time. We declare that all our secret enemies and haters of God's work will be exposed because our God is too good to let them rain on our parade. Hallelujah. Give God some praise right there. Yes, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Once again, Father, I have delivered your word to your people. I have obeyed your voice. Now, Lord, sanctify them through your truth, through thy word, for thy word is truth. 
Let your word continue to fall on good ground so that we can produce more fruit. Let your word inspire us. Let your word change us. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, precious reminder that when we trust you, you will always come through with us, for us, and that hope maketh not ashamed. I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to pray for anyone who wants to be reconciled to God the Father. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Friend, tomorrow is not promised to you, it's not promised to me. Our sins, our wrongdoings, our rebellion against God and his word is what keeps us separated from him. But Yeshua said, I am the door to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through me. You see, friends, salvation is a gift. And it's made available to anyone who wants it, anyone who repents and believes and confesses that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead to save mankind. Friend, this gift, this gift here cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. And it cannot be by simply being good. It is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. If you would like to receive Yeshua, you might know him as Jesus, but I call him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua. If you want Yeshua into your heart, please pray this prayer with me. And those that are still on the line, keep praying. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Your word says that whosoever shall call on your name shall be saved. I am calling on you right now. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you to come in my heart, come into my heart and be Lord over my life. And according to your word, I now confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I confess and declare that Yeshua is Lord of my life. I thank you for the gift of salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by faith, I receive this gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name, I am saved. Amen and amen. If you have prayed this prayer, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new you. And we would love to connect with you. So please use the contact link on our social media pages or website to let us know how, you know, know your testimony and how this ministry is influencing your life. To learn more, please visit www.nardagitson.com. Thank you for tuning in to Nardicuson Ministries Teleconference. I am Nardicuson, your host. Be sure to tune in next week, 9 p.m. Central Time, for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, wealth-destroying, anointed word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Good night.